You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network with Nikki Stott. I'd like to pay my respects to country and to all the elders, past and present, who've been part of the struggle for so long for sovereignty and self-determination. For more than two decades now, Big Ag has been pushing the controversial GMO product known as golden rice as a so-called solution to food insecurity in the global south. And now this corporate-led campaign is taking advantage of the escalating pandemic-related recession by amping up their hype on golden rice as a solution to the worsening food crisis. And with the world economy at a near standstill, Big Ag continues to function with global impunity, deepening its impact and harm on communities and ecosystems. This week on Earth Matters, we'll hear the final episode of a three-part series featuring concerned activists from the Stop Golden Rice Network, based across Southeast Asia and the Pacific, speaking at an urgent online forum to commemorate the International Day of Action Against Golden Rice. Later in the show, Neth Dano from Etc. Group gives us a big picture on how big tech philanthropic capitalists like the Gates Foundation are snatching global food systems. But first up, Sarojini Rengam from Pesticide Action Network Asia-Pacific on the Stop Golden Rice Resistance Movement. Golden Rice is little more than a public relations play by the industry that is exaggerating its benefits. Beta-carotene is already widely available in many fruits and vegetables and converted to vitamin A even when people are malnourished. It really reminds me of how the pesticide industry is still promoting pesticides as necessary to feed the world. Even seven decades of its use, we have increasing hunger and malnutrition. FAO's figures readjusted to include China still shows an additional 60 million are affected by hunger since 2014. And of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, the expected numbers of undernourished and hungry people will increase to an additional 132 million people. These trends in food insecurity contribute to increasing the risk of child malnutrition as food security affects diet quality, including the quality of children's and women's diets. The pandemic has also shown the failures of neoliberalism. It is also escalating the impact of decades of imperialism and neoliberal agendas of privatization, reduced spending on people's services and trade deals that favor big businesses. In some countries, the militaries used to safeguard the needs of big businesses and unfair conditions of work for workers. And yet, the agribusiness industry still promotes and pushes hard on industrial agriculture, particularly in the midst of the pandemic. While people and farmers are reeling from the impact of the pandemic, we are seeing a massive drive for GMO seeds and the technology, pesticides and fertilizers. It is as if they're waiting for such a disaster of this proportion to force the industrial model of agriculture on us. This is definitely facilitated by the response from our governments to the pandemic, by authoritarian means and even laws that curtail any form of dissent and critical analysis. 
This is happening in many countries in Asia and around the globe. It is also difficult in the new situation to meet, to organize and mobilize to campaign against the new developments and against industry's agenda. Organizations of small food producers, including farmers and indigenous peoples have been protesting against GMOs since they have been introduced as new uh, technology. In reality, GMOs are a major threat to small food producers as GM seeds are owned by TNCs and farmers have to buy seeds every season from these TNCs. If they are found to have these seeds growing in their fields, they are sued. Demonstrations, marches have been organized in all countries against GMOs. In Asia, we have the famous uprooting of GMO crops in the Philippines and the successful legal challenge in 2016 by Greenpeace and other environmental groups. Amazing organizing. In response to Monsanto's GMO activities, March Against Monsanto's main peaceful protests of GMOs in the global agricultural industry is an annual march held in multiple cities globally. When Monsanto was bought over by Bayer, the Germans are now systematically organizing protests in front of Bayer every year. In the Stop Golden Rice Network, many of these groups joined in the campaign and have taken on strategic efforts to document, to critique golden rice, and to organize and mobilize farmers and consumers to resist golden rice. Resistance is also building on corporate control of seeds and GMOs, as well as the input industry for agriculture. We are seeing further consolidation with buyouts and mergers of agrochemical TNCs. With the collective revenues of more than USD 65 billion in agrochemical seeds and biotech uh, trades, uh, these are 2013 figures, the big six, Monsanto, Syngenta, Bayer, Dow, DuPont, and BSF control 75% of the global agrochemical market, 63% of the commercial seed market, and more than 75% of all private sector research in seeds and pesticides. Syngenta has, of course, been brought over by state-owned ChemChina, while Dow recently completed its USD 130 billion merger with DuPont to form the world's largest chemical company, Cortiva. The big six have now turned into the big four that control much of the input industry and 70% of the pesticide market. Another major issue for PAN is also the herbicide-tolerant GMO seeds, such as the Roundup Ready soya and corn as they massively increase the use of glyphosate, uh, which IARC uh, classified as probable carcinogenic to humans. PANIP's recent field surveys show that a very high proportion of farmers and agricultural workers are exposed to pesticides through their work and they're suffering acute health effects. Agricultural production also suffers from loss of pollinators and the beneficial insects that provide natural control of pests. In this regards, we have now small food producers who are showing the way, peasants, agricultural workers, women, indigenous communities are showing the way by practicing agroecology. 
Pan in Replacing Chemicals with Biology report documents the effectiveness of agroecology in regions of Africa, Asia, Latin America, North America, and Europe, and shows that agroecological farmers were able to increase their yields, productivity, and improve their income. Agroecology farmers from every region of the world documented show improved health, improved food security and sovereignty, greater resilience to adverse climate events, better opportunities for women farmers, improved biodiversity and social benefits, such as better cooperation between farmers and within communities. And we have many, many case studies. We have uh, documentation to show that it is successful and it is possible to grow food for communities through agroecology. So encouraging support and funding for agroecology is essential, uh, incorporated in our campaigns, including the Stop Golden Rice Network and not what Gates is doing. Gates is subverting actually the choices for the farmers from a farmer control to industry control, corporate control. And I think that is a major problem that we are facing. So you have protests of uh, consumers against GMOs, but also on the other hand, we have uh, consumers that are supporting healthy food and healthy livelihoods, healthy lifestyles and healthy environment. And so we need to get them on to our networks to support the campaigns, the ongoing campaigns that we are seeing in terms of not only Stop Golden Rice, to stop uh, GMOs, as well as for food security and sovereignty of all of us, including the rural population. Given the situation, it is clear that we have to unite to tackle these ambitions, these very dangerous, hazardous ambitions of our governments and the industry. Things are looking bad. It will get worse. And uh, as I mentioned, the authoritarian governments are in control in many of our countries in Asia, as well as in other countries. But if we unite and uh, prevail, I think there's a way forward. So we need to have a renewed call to unite against corporate control, against GMOs, particularly against golden rice. And this has to be intensified. The Stop Golden Rice Network is strong, but we want to further strengthen ourselves, our networks and alliances with organizations of small food producers, i.e. the women and men, uh, peasant, farmers, agricultural workers, pastoralists, fisher folk and indigenous peoples and all small food producers. Our links and collaborations with consumer organizations and networks has to be improved even linking up with small groups of concerned parents or those that are supporting healthy living and eating. You know, there's all this development of eating culturally appropriate foods. And you can see that actually there is a revival, not only in the city centers, but also in the urban areas where people are now looking for foods that are nutritious and that are locally produced. So I think that that is a kind of development that we should tap on. And I think that's, it's, it's important that we do. So thank you very much. I think I, I'll stop here to say that only through unity, 
with the, the small food producers, we have a way forward in terms of challenging and confronting not only GMOs and the golden rice, but also the authoritarian governments that are in control together with the elites and the industries and the corporations that are trying to take control of our food production and our food systems. Thank you. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Just to highlight that um, Gates, the foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is just one of the examples of how big tech, the big technology companies, technology platforms are intrusing into food and agriculture systems, including um, research agenda such as in Gold Rice. I will walk you through some other examples on how big tech are going into big food. Big food meaning big corporations. Food and agriculture, um, Taro mentioned about how the big six have actually um, transformed into the joy of four, the big four companies that control seeds and agrochemicals globally, the, the international market, the commercial market of seeds and also agrochemicals. And we're talking there about Monsanto, which has been acquired by Bayer in 2018, ChemChina, which acquired um, Syngenta in, also in 2018, and DuPont Dow that merged into Corteva Agri-Sciences that have completed that recently, but actually begun in the late 2016. And the only company that has not been acquired or merged into anything is actually BASF the German big chemical company, and BASF has actually benefited in many ways from the merger and acquisition, in particular, buyer's acquisition of Monsanto. When the European Union and the U.S. Um, competition authorities have actually required buyers to dispose some of its companies, they were mostly bought by BASF. So going back to big tech in big food, Amazon, another big tech platform, mainly e-commerce, have actually gone into food retailing in actual store by acquiring Whole Foods. Whole Foods is a North American conglomerate involved in organic and fresh food business. So the acquisition was in 2017, and that cost $13.7 billion for Amazon to buy Whole Foods and allow them to have presence um, in brick and mortar stores. Because we know that Amazon is an e-commerce company, but they also need um, real stores, you know, the real old world stores, brick and mortar, because they need to deliver their some of their fruits and vegetables fresh. So they need those brick and mortar um, stores. Um, that actually surprised the world, even the financial community. But it opened a whole new world of how big tech is slowly going into big food. Microsoft is also collaborating with uh, Walgreens, for example, and some other smaller companies. Walgreens is the second or third biggest drug or pharmaceutical retailing in North America. So they have collaboration on big data. Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google X, which is the Moonshot um, project division of Alphabet. Um, they have a startup called Calico, which has initial capital of $1.2 billion from Alphabet. And this startup focuses on technologies for health, diseases, anti-aging, and longevity. Much of it is on secret, kept secret, because these are 
really proprietary interest um, technologies. Interestingly, the CEO, the Chief Operating Executive Officer of Calico, is also the chairman of Genentech. Genentech is a pioneer uh, biotech company in the U.S. So much of the technology is being developed by Alphabet under its Calico division are on um, pharmaceuticals and drugs and whatever technologies to defy aging and to make us live longer. So Facebook, also another surprise deal during the pandemic, at the height of the pandemic in April, acquired almost 10%, 9.99% stake in Geo platform, the digital platform owned by Reliance, the biggest mobile phone service provider in India. Geo platform is into e-commerce, so this also signals the entry of Facebook or the use of its technology for e-commerce, which also deals with and nutrition. NetEase, China's biggest online gaming and also the biggest operator of Pogo online gaming in the Philippines, has a division called NetEase Agriculture, which is formed in 2009, it formed in 2009 to expand into pig racing business. So imagine online gaming investing in swine racing and NetEase actually auctions some of its hogs, the pigs, the black pigs, in its own platform, digital platform, where it actually gets bids for um, auction on these pigs, which they actually um, claim to be happy pigs. These are organically grown, also um, raised in very nice pens with soothing music. So that's the promotion of NetEast pigs. So the digital um, online business of NetEast was bought up by Alibaba in September last year. So Alibaba in its T-Mall also sells these pigs, organic pigs from NetEast. Big tech also dominates food retail business globally. Part of the top 10, course number two is Amazon, next only to Walmart. The second biggest retailer um, globally, JD.com based in China is the 10th biggest globally only in China and that actually makes them into the top 10. Alibaba is not in the top 10 but definitely part of the top food retailers globally. They have key interests of course in China and also expanding in India with the acquisition of the basket tech platform e-commerce over the past two years continuing investing. So in terms of what cilantro capitalism is doing Gates in particular, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. There's going to be a World Food Summit that the UN is convening supposedly in March next year, but going to be pushed probably in September next year. And the special envoy of the UN to the World Food System Summit is the president of AGRA. AGRA is the Alliance for a Green Revolution in Africa, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the biggest funder of AGRA, the biggest pusher of the Green Revolution in Africa. Civil society um, organizations globally protested the appointment of Agnes Kalibata as the UN Special Envoy for the World Food System Summit, but the UN did not even reply to that. So you have actually a World Food System Summit that will discuss the present and the future of global food systems led by the private sector and led by the biggest corporations that are behind the broken food system that the World Food System Summit aims to, to fix. 
So imagine the criminals who are behind the broken food system talking and leading the conversation of the world food system on how to fix a food system that they themselves broke or created as broken. In June, the UN Secretary General launched the roadmap to digit on digital cooperation that was the product of the two-year work of this high-level panel on digital cooperation. The co-chairs of this high-level uh, panel are Melinda Gates, uh, representing Gates Foundation, and Jack Ma of Alibaba. So talk about ironies and also ethical corruption. You have the two biggest tech companies advising the UN on how to manage digital divide, on how to ensure global connectivity by 2030, and how to ensure uh, cooperation among countries on digital technology. Digital technologies are playing a pivotal role in how food and agriculture interests, business interests are consolidating and are to be governed. The last example, concrete example that I'd like to mention on how um, Gates, the foundation at the front, are shaping the global governance of food and agriculture is what's happening in the CGIR right now. IRI, as I mentioned, is one of the 15 centers, um, International Agricultural Research Centers under the CGIR. Last Friday, there was a vote among the 15 centers on who wants to join or about that on the creation of this one global umbrella with one common board of trustees for all the 15 centers. 13 out of the 15 centers voted yes, that they want to be part of the one CGIR. The only centers that did not want to join are ICRISAT, the Center for Semi-Arid Tropics Crops in India, also the two centers on forestry. The main motivator and driver behind the creation of this one global umbrella, the one CGIR, is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Syngenta Foundation, the U.S. and U.K. government. Not that it will make any difference because most of these CGIR centers are bad anyway. So you actually have one umbrella of bad international agricultural centers that are driven and pushed around by the Gates Foundation. And this is a well-known open secret in the CGIR on how the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, along with partners in Syngenta and U.S. and the U.K. government, are actually lording it over and pushing centers to accept the priorities, research priorities, and agenda that are imposed by Gates on the, on the center. So we'll see more examples of the Golden Rice, and we know, of course, how Gates Foundation have invested on that. We'll see more of those examples under the one CGIR. Big technology, big tech are expanding their businesses into food and agriculture sectors globally and in big developing countries, in big markets such as India, of course, China, that has been the trend from the beginning, Mexico, also in Brazil and South Africa. Also, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has provided inspiration for the big tech companies to go into philanthropy or philanthrocapitalism, where they actually set up corporate-led or corporate-established philanthropies, such as the foundation, to be able to influence and shape research agenda, even policy at the national level and at the global level. And we all know that the money of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does not only come from the profits of the Gates conglomerate, but also from the money of foreign buses. 
that very shrewd investor predator. So he actually um assigned much of his uh, wealth um into um the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's why it's that huge. And we've also seen this important trend that much of this big tech expansion and domination are not just about beating profits, but influencing and shaping global agenda and priorities. An important trend that we're seeing is that how digital and biodigital technologies, for example, are CRISPR-Cas9, which um, much of it, um, and also SynBio, much of it is actually aided and enabled by digital technologies with all the information um, that are in digital form, the digital sequence information of biological materials. Um, these technologies are pivotal, big tech takeover in food and agriculture sector. This is not really futuristic. It's not something that we will only see 10 years from now. We're already seeing it. So it's high time for um, civil society to challenge this and also to get to know more on how we could work together to challenge this development as a movement, as it will impact our lives and the lives of our children. And definitely, this is not the kind of world that we'd like to pass on to our children, not the gate world, not the big tech world. But the movements that we are supporting are part of, are actually creating a better world that needs to be mainstreamed, that needs to be supported, and should not just also be uh, about um, supporting the, the better narratives that we have, but also challenging this key trend that will actually impinge on the movement and also um, impinge on the efforts of social movements, uh, particularly um, small-scale farms. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Today we heard the final episode of a three-part series featuring concerned activists from the Stop Golden Rice Network across Southeast Asia and the Pacific, speaking at an urgent online forum to commemorate the International Day of Action against the Golden Rice GMO. Today we heard from Sarojini Rengam from Pesticide Action Network Asia Pacific at panap.net on the Stop Golden Rice Resistance Movement and Neth Dano from Etc. Group, giving us a big picture on how big tech philanthrocapitalists like the Gates Foundation are snatching global food systems. And if you missed episode one and two of this series with Kartini Samam from Grain on how big ag is profiteering from the global hunger crisis and Chris Panero from Marsapag's breakdown on the Golden Rice Project, you can find both of those episodes in our podcasts. And you can find our Earth Matters podcast, including today's show at 3cr.org forward slash Earth Matters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced with the support of 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam, and we can be contacted at 3CR at gmail.com. And you can also find us on your socials. That's all for this week, so tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. Thank 
genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. That's one thing white fellas learnt in the last 200 years, to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement, and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left, so what happened to the other 13? Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged, and treaties made. Tune into Fire First every Wednesday from 11 a.m. till 12 midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe. Thank you. Those people who have no land rights haven't got justice, but neither do those people who have land rights have justice. You're listening to Community Radio Network around Australia, brought to you by 3CR Community Radio. So stay tuned as we bring you news, live updates, music and interviews with Aboriginal people from around the country. The only free body we have is the Aboriginal government on the grassroots and the Aboriginal Embassy on the lawns outside the old Parliament House. We will not go away. And as that stone rests in that mountain, and as our spirit rests in this country and over this country, we will not go away. Neither shall our power pass. And that's here forever, until justice comes. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.